we (coughs) reflect the the world is known in the mind. The world is the world of our experience. Other people, places, things, these are all patterns of our own experience. But to reflect in this way is not just some kind of a mind game, kind of crossword puzzle or sudoku of interesting trick you can play with your perceptions. But it's a skillful means that can be used very directly to <clears throat> to free the heart from its delusions, its burdens, its stresses. So we welcome the the world, things, people, experiences, as an opening of the heart to the world as being like this. The world of experiences exactly this way, in this moment. But within that, that that which is welcomed and recognized, there can still be this loading, the weighting of particular experiences, perceptions, as being mine or yours, good or bad, wanted, unwanted, So recognizing everything, the the world, the mind as patterns of experience is the first part. Well, then we use the active investigation that the Buddha encouraged, looking at the qualities of anicca, dukkha, anatta, to recognize the habits of identification, attachment. How the mind, as Lumpur Cha put it, determines things into existence and then gets lost in its own creations. We determine good and bad, right and wrong, mine and yours. We determine those things into existence and then we get lost. The mind gets lost in the things that it's called mine or yours. Beautiful, ugly, right and wrong. Having established those conventions, those determinations, get lost in the story, drawn in. Love and hate, gain and loss, pleasure and pain. Therefore, we use the active investigation, the capacity to explore, to examine all the patterns of experience in terms of anicca, dukkha, anatta. These are not just a belief system, it's not just the Buddha's asking us to believe that everything is impermanent, uncertain. All things are not self, all things are 
unsatisfactory in and of themselves. These aren't a belief system, but a set of tools, like magnifying glasses or screwdrivers, spanners, a toolkit to explore how the mind creates, I and mine, me here, you there, the beautiful and ugly of the world, mine and yours, gain and loss, praise and criticism, success and failure, happiness and unhappiness. And we repeat these qualities in the morning chanting, in the Anatalakana Sutta. Rupa, the body, material form. Is it permanent or impermanent? It's impermanent. If it's impermanent, can it be permanently satisfying? Is it afflicted or free from affliction? It's impermanent and changing, then it's subject to affliction. Can't be permanently pleasing. That which is subject to change, which is subject to affliction, is it worthy, is it appropriate to say of that, this is me, this is what I am, this is myself. Etang mama, eso hamasmi, eso me ata. Is this mine? Can this be owned? Etang mama, is this mine? Eso hamasmi, is this what I am? Eso me ata, is this the self, the Atman, the true I? So the Buddha offers these as a, a means of investigation, not as something to believe, like an article of faith, but a way of exploring. Those moments when the body really feels like me, it's uncomfortable, there's a painful sensation, or we look at that face in the mirror and it really seems to be what I am, this person, this woman, this man. Etang mama, is this mine? Eso amasmi, is this what I am? Eso me ata. Is this a self? So if we just allow the patterns of experience, the flow of perceptions to to drift through, and knowing knowing them as they drift by is one thing, but the active investigation, exploration, brings a whole extra layer of understanding and has a liberating quality, a directly liberating, unburdening, de-stressing quality. So watching the mind, as we say, is part of it, but investigating the mind, investigating the nature of experience, is another part, is a more profound and 
active, liberating part of the practice. So when there is that feeling of, I, I'm the owner of this pain in my back, my leg. I'm the one hearing this sound. This is my memory. I am a man, I am a woman, I am a monk, a nun. I am a layperson. I am 61 years old. Catch that perception. Snag it. Capture it. Examine it. Notice the mind making those kind of judgments. This is my pain, my feeling, my memory, my problem, my plan. Catch that. Notice that. Whenever the mind creates these feelings of solidity, that pain is real, or that sound is real, memory, that idea, that emotion is real, catch that, notice it, snag it, like catching it in a net, fishing it out of the pond. Pick it up. Okay, there's this feeling of I being the owner of this sensation in my back or my leg. As this feeling of this I who is the owner or the knower of this, this memory. What is that I? How can anything genuinely have an owner? How can any being own anything? Really? How could that, how could that be? Now listening to Lumpur Cha's teachings, Dhamma talks and dialogues over and over. He's asking this question, isn't he? Who's watching the mind? Who does this belong to? Are you the owner of that? Or we can hear that in a Dhamma talk, in a dialogue of a great teacher. But it's most useful not just to hear it from a great teacher and to be inspired by that, but to apply that moment by moment in working with this mind, this body, this field of experience. In this way, the attention is brought to that feeling of eye-making and mind-making. I'm the one hearing this sound. I'm the one choosing these words. I feel the weight of the body. Turn the attention back onto that I feeling. Who is that? Who's the owner of this experience? Who is it that's practicing? Does this memory have an owner? Who is it making this choice, this decision? Now, rather than just being a, a kind of random and occasional process, we can make this an active practice. So there's a deliberate and consistent bringing of that questioning, that examining, exploring, inquiring. To use that as a deliberate method of develop, developing the insight into anatta, 
And the mind is reasonably steady and quiet. And stay with the experience of the present reality. Make that a, a practice, a consistent effort. Who is thinking? Who feels? Who's asking this question? Does this sensation have an owner? This sound, this taste? If it has an owner, what does that owner look like? What is this I that is the supposed doer, the feeler, the watcher, the experiencer? What is that? When we ask these kind of questions, what is it that's aware? Who is practicing? Who experiences? The question is asked not in order to come up with some kind of clever philosophical answer, not to create another concept, but rather to puncture, to burst the bubble of self-view, of conceit. Not to create a a better, more accurate picture of a, a real me, but rather to see the hollow, empty, insubstantial nature of the eyes, the me's, the minds of the... the mind continually creates. Just to burst that bubble, to recognize in that moment of asking, who is it experiencing this? Who does this belong to? In the moment of clear seeing, it's recognized who is the wrong question. It presumes a person that is here, that is doing, feeling, knowing. And the quality of mindfulness and wisdom recognizes who is the wrong question. It's presuming a person, an I. That's not it. It's hearing or feeling, knowing. But it's not a person. Oh. Then maybe the question shifts to what is it? What is it that's aware? What is it that knows, that thinks, that decides, that feels? And again, that question, what? It's not to come up with some kind of clever, philosophical, perfect conceptual answer but to burst that bubble. Because even as that is explored, then even the what seems to be wide of the mark, incorrect, presumptuous. There's this thing here that's the knower, this separate I-ness, me-ness, minus. So even what doesn't really apply. So we use this quality of investigation to keep peeling away the layers, bursting the bubble after bubble, layer after layer. All of the the different strata, the different layers of attachment and identification that have built up over countless time.
to let them fall away, to peel away until there's simply knowing, experiencing, without that being a person or a thing, an entity. As Lungtam Mahabua said, as soon as there is a, a center to that experience of, of knowing, that is the essence of birth in some level of being. A nucleus, a center. There's a letting go, continual shedding of those habits of identification, freeing the heart from its accumulated layers of attachment, identification. But when those kind of questions are asked, who is it that's aware? Or what is it that's aware? What is it that is knowing this mind, this moment? As Lumpo Sumedha would say, just <coughs> pose the question, ask the question, and then notice the gap that occurs after the question has been asked and before some conceptual answer starts to fill in the space. Let the mind simply know that gap, that spaciousness. And in that moment, that gap, there's awareness, peacefulness, clarity, no sense of I, I, me or mine. The mind is awake, aware, attentive, but there's no person there. Nobody here. There's a freedom, an ease. Let the mind embody that spaciousness, that gap. And then watch the habitual identities flow in. Like, oh wow, that's what I'm, that's what I am. I'm the gap, that's what I am. The habits of thinking flow in and a rebirth occurs. Another I gets born. If that's the case, then we bring that questioning to that as well. Who is it that's just figured it out? Who is it that thinks, I am this spaciousness. I'm this aware, awake gap. That's what I am. What is it that's aware of that thought? Does that have an owner? In this way, the habits of self-creation get recognized. Become familiar. Those patterns get known, recognized. And once they're really known, recognized, then it's easier to not be fooled by them, not to fall into those patterns, to follow them blindly. But more and more, that quality of spacious, open, attuned awareness can be established. Unconfused, simple, natural, attuned to reality, knowing its own nature. 